Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. I'm Joey Christopoulos. Corey Wooten is back for a full off-season preview. But today, we got to talk about our presenting sponsor and who else? It's BetOnline.ag. It's playoff time, so BetOnline, it's your new best friend. The road to Vegas goes through San Francisco or Baltimore right now. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Kansas City, Detroit? Only one way to find out is to also make a little cash, too, as well. Go to your number one source for all your playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, BetOnline is the number one spot. So head there today. Stay updated on all the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in to Believe in Bears. Thank you for listening to us, whether it's on your audio podcast with SiriusXM or with the Believe Sports Network or checking us out right here on Sports Talk Chicago for the full video episode. Like, comment, subscribe below. It's time to bring in our guest right here, our co-host, the man himself. It's former Bears defensive end, CHGO's very own, West End Golf Club's very own, and a man who is ready. He is ready to take on all comers on Bears Twitter this offseason. It's Corey Wooten himself. What's up, Corey? <laughs> hey, what's going on, man? It, Bears Twitter has been a very interesting thread out there. A lot of people going back and forth. I know uh, Greg Braggs, who I do the CHGO show with, um oh man they're they're on top of them all the time some of my comments people are, are you know it's i feel like it's an emotional thing for bears fans just because of this whole quarterback situation bears have really never got the quarterback position right since mm-hmm. and even you know don't, no disrespect to jim mcmahon great leader uh was able to get the super bowl but when we're talking about one of the most talented quarterbacks in franchise history you know uh, I don't think he was he was that he had a role. He did a great job. He's a great leader. He was efficient in the offense. But Bears have never had that superstar quarterback um, that you're like, he's the guy. He's him. And, um, you know, I'm hoping this offseason we find some clarity in that. And and I'm hoping it is with Justin Fields. Um, you know, I, I really do. Um, I understand on the other side of the coin going with Caleb Williams. Right. He's been the most highly touted prospect coming out in a long time. But I think there's so much talent from Justin Fields. I don't think he scratched the surface. And we've always said about the coordinator, and let's segue into what we were, our first topic right here, Shane Waldron, right? Former Seattle uh, Seahawks offensive coordinator, what he's been able to do with Geno Smith, right? Geno Smith from the Jets, uh, best year was 13 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, uh, really wasn't efficient in there. And then, you know, was kind of a backup for a while. Was behind Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's get traded out of there to Denver. And then Geno has his coming out party. 4,200 yards. It's extremely one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. And I think that's the Shane Waldron effect. And and if, if you guys can bear with me, because I'm thinking Shane Waldron paired with Justin Fields, another weapon at wide receiver. And then all of a sudden this offense gets that much better. The principles in his scheme is unbelievable. And we talk about protecting the offensive line. Loves the double chip at times to help the tackles, which is something the Bears really never did, right? You're you're out there on islands, and that's tough for any tackle, whether you're a shutdown or not, right? Being on an island out there, especially Braxton Jones and Wright, very young guys, um, performed pretty well for the most part this season. I think it's Shane Waldron's system. It really helps out this offensive line a lot. And when we talk about creating matchups, that's something that he does. You look at DK uh, Metcalf, mm-hmm. what he'd be able to do with, you know, DJ Moore and potentially a Marvin Harrison Jr. 
or the the wide receiver. Uh, I don't want to butcher from from Washington. How do you how do you say his last name? Oh, Rome Adunze. Adunze, yep. Mm-hmm. So imagine what he can do with with those type of weapons. There, uh, he's known for creating those matchups. So I think it would be a really good thing if they kept Justin Fields because if he revived Geno Smith's career, imagine what he can do with Justin Fields, who I think has a way higher ceiling than Geno Smith. So it's going to be interesting to see, Joey. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've been very adamant about keeping Justin Fields because I think there's a lot of value you can get in the draft. You can trade back, get multiple picks, um, especially if, if you're not – you don't have to have Marvin Harrison Jr. I would love to have him. But if Poles is like, I like a Dunze. I like some of these other guys. We can trade back to, to potentially eight or nine and, and get a lot of picks and a lot of value in that position, then you're able to get potentially a defensive tackle, another receiver, maybe even a defensive end. So using that pick to trade back and really elevate this team, because Joey, we had talked about this. I think the Bears last year were a playoff caliber team. They should have won 10 games in the season. We, we look at the, the Denver game, we look at the Detroit game, and we look at the Cleveland game. Those are got to have it games where you controlled the game for four quarters, pretty much, you just weren't able to finish it. Mm-hmm. And they would have been 10 and six going into the last week of Green Bay. That game would have been irrelevant. And despite how bad they performed and up and down, the Bears were a playoff team. So that's why I think keep Justin Fields, build around him, because I think having him with this new system, weapons, I think you're going to get a lot closer to the Super Bowl than drafting somebody else sooner, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, here on Believe in Bears, I think, you know, me and Corey, we talked before the pod, I think that there's five kind of major storylines um, heading into the offseason for the Chicago Bears team. We're going to get to Justin and Caleb in a little more detail in just a second. We're doing what's called a tease right now because the offensive coordinator is a huge storyline, Corey, and I think a couple of things about Shane Waldron that we talk a lot about here that you've preached before is, you know, a problem with Luke Getzey a little bit was that previous experience of not having any experience calling games in the NFL. Shane Waldron has a couple of years under his belt already. Check mark on that. I personally really like his last three bosses were Bill Belichick, Sean McVay, and Pete Carroll. I like that a whole lot too as well. And Corey, you're bringing up such a great point that, and here's the thing, and I think this is why you got to keep your head on a swivel out there with Bears Twitter right now because things are going nuts. That (laughs) any other season, Corey, you know, you are right that we are heading into an offseason with a 7-10 and 10 football team where we said, man, missed opportunities. We blow those three leads right there. We could be a playoff mm. team. This is a crucial offseason for the free agency. But, oh, yeah, this pesky little thing called the number one pick changes yep. everything. And, Corey, honestly, like, I feel like that we saw it in 2008 with the Cutler trade. We saw mm-hmm. it with the draft of Mitch Trubisky in 2017. And then this upcoming offseason in 2024 – these are franchise changers for the Chicago Bears, where the decision that they make this offseason is going to affect the franchise for the next five to eight years. Um, yeah. The Trubisky pick is still – we're still dealing with the effects of that, right? The still yeah. – like, if he, we had gotten that right, we still would have the quarterback there in place. So my follow-up to you a little bit is – and I think a question that's going around a lot is if you're playing poker right now and you're playing against Ryan Poles, the hiring of Shane Waldron, does that tip your hand – one way closer to Justin Fields, one way closer to Caleb Williams, or do you like also like the hire maybe because of option three, you think that he could work with both of those guys and have success? Option three, I think you work both of these guys. And I think it, I said on CHGO, I said, I think this is the best offensive coordinator hire the Bears have had in probably the past 20 years. I think yeah. 
He's a proven guy that comes from the McVeigh tree. He was in Shan- with Shanahan in, in Washington, right? Some of older Shanahan's last couple of years. Um, he was working with Matt LaFleur, right? Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel. All those brilliant minds were all in Washington together. Then he then he traveled with, with Sean McVay, right? And then he's with Sean McVay for a couple of years. And 2021, Russell Wilson, his last year in Seattle, in that offseason, he said, I want Shane Waldron, right? I, w- I want him. He's a young, brilliant mind. He's worked with Sean McVay. I want him in here, right? And that year, Russell Wilson was super efficient. I think 25 Wait, I, and 8 yeah, or 25 was, and I 6, think, I think. Right. It was the year I think he was like everyone thought he was going to be the MVP through the first five weeks of the season. Or might even and, have and five interceptions. Hurt, right. Yeah. So yeah. 25 and 5 or something, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But but he was instrumental in getting him to Seattle, right? Then then Russell Wilson goes to Denver and then in comes Geno Smith and has a breakout year. And nobody saw that. And people said, well, you know, he was behind all these great quarterbacks. The thing about it was Geno Smith, what he what he did for the Jets and what he did as a backup was not that great, right? But then when he came to Seattle and worked with Waldron, he elevated his game. It was it was a different Geno Smith. Um, and he got paid and, and great for him. And I think if he can do that with Geno Smith, imagine what he can do with Justin Fields because everybody sees all the talent. It's been about consistency. And I think a lot of what Shane Waldron does is he creates principles, he creates matchups, something that Luke Getze really didn't do at times. Some games, Luke Getze called great games, right? And I think the common denominator, and everyone says, well, you know, as a, as a, as a quarterback, you have to play better. Yes, sometimes you do have to play better, but if you don't have a great game plan, how are you supposed to execute? The Minnesota Vikings game, there were 15 swing screens. How can you, how can you ever advance an offense with 15 swing screens? You become predictable at that point. You're not moving the ball down the field. You're stunting the offensive growth. And that's why we've seen so up and down from Justin Fields. When we have a clear game plan, those are the games he did really well. You look at Denver, the Commanders game, uh, both Detroit games played really well. Uh, You look at uh, the Falcons game. That was arguably, I think, his best game as a pro. Joey, the the efficiency, the the precision of his passing uh, looks so poised in that pocket. And... In that game plan, right, Luke Getze created matchups in that game, right? He put Justin Fields in a position to succeed, something that he didn't do very consistently. And that's why I think if Shane Waldron in here, if you decide to keep Justin Fields, I think he'll elevate himself to a top 10 quarterback status. Because people get a little bit nervous about keeping Justin Fields, I think because of what happened with Mitchell Trubisky. Mm -hmm. But think about Mitchell Trubisky. There was no question when he was out of Chicago. There was nobody saying, oh, we want him back. Don't you think this Fields situation is a tough one? Because you're having to go back and forth and mull over this decision because of the talent. And teams around there know what Justin Fields can do. That's He's arguably one of the best playmakers in the league, right? He has a cannon of an arm. Now it's about cleaning up some of this stuff, putting him in different schemes with different plays, that highlight his strengths. And then all of a sudden, once you get him confident with things, he, he just hasn't had the full development like some of these other quarterbacks. Brock Purdy has had great development, right? Yeah. From from year one, working with, with Shanahan. It's been unbelievable, right? It's the perfect system. And you can't take anything away from, but you put Justin Fields in that scheme, you put some a different quarterback that's struggling, I think they'd be a lot better than they're doing now. And I think Justin Fields would flourish 
would play lights out in this game. Well, and Corey, this is why I get a little upset when people, when when fans, Bears fans, I hope that they're Bears fans because look, one way or the other, we're going to have a quarterback on the Bears next year, and I'm going to root for that guy. Okay, so whether it's mm-hmm. Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, I'm going to root for that guy. But I get a little upset when people say it's either the Justin Fields is trash or Caleb Williams is a crybaby, or I hate those two extreme sides of the conversation because what you're saying, Corey, is so nuanced, and it is, it's a, it's a difficult decision. It is basically Kyle Orton versus Jay Cutler on steroids, right? Like, Kyle Orton won 10 games his last year. Did he have some limitations? Did he have some criticisms? Yeah, sure. Um, but obviously they went for someone that they thought had higher talent and Jay Cutler at the time. This is it blown out of the water. And my thing with Justin Fields specifically is that, and I want to ask you this, is because we're, we're in this era now too as well. And Corey, I, want to, I wonder if this annoys you or irritates you a little bit. When we start cherry picking plays on Twitter, whether they're good or they're bad, and then that one play encapsulates the person's limitation and talent. I mean, how would you feel if a play, if they did that to you as a player going through it? And look, I love the JT Sullivan breakdowns, but they're running it right now of, 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 of Justin Fields misses on a slant. Well, guess what? If you also watch the JT Sullivan's, I watch every second of those. He also gets on Luke Getze for the spacing, for the game plan. What are we doing here pre-snap? What is this formation? He doesn't understand that either. So, so Corey, for a quarterback who maybe doesn't exactly trust a game plan or a game mm-hmm. plan that's maybe a little roller coaster, isn't it also maybe fair to say that a guy can make some mistakes or maybe not trust a certain look in those situations? It's a chicken and the egg, I think, more, more than people want to admit. It, it definitely is, and I think people can play armchair quarterback all day. We can we can look from the couch, but the thing is, w- what bothers me a little bit about what JT Sullivan just his reaction sometimes to certain plays, right? He played he played this game, and you know how I've always been about things, right? Like I keep it one hundred. I'm never I'm never going to dog somebody. I tell somebody if they need to play better, but sometimes with his criticism, it, it does bother me because we can we can sit right now. And, and pick apart his tape left and right. Some of the things he's cursing left and right about this. I don't agree with that at that point. So let's pull up his tape and let's critique it, right, at that point. That, that's why I don't get, like, he knows everything about this, that, and the other. Yes, I, I understand his breakdowns and I understand he's trying to convey knowledge, but there's a way to do it. And I think sometimes he airs that line of being pompous about things. And I, I don't rock with that because you play in the league. You understand that NFL, you know, how hard it is to get at that point. So, yes, be critical about certain things, but you don't need to go off on this whole tangent cursing. And, oh, you need to you need to mute your volume because, you know, you're not going to like what I have to hear. Like, get out of here, bro. Like, re- relax. Like, you, you have some good top content. You have some good breakdowns, but no, no need for all that stuff, right? And it is cherry-picking plays with, with other analysts sometimes, right? They pick fans. You'll see a play of Caleb Williams when he played Notre Dame, and they're like, oh, you want this guy? Throwing off his back leg, throwing, oh, that was his fourth pick in that game. And I'm like, okay, everybody has bad games sometimes. Yes, he made bad decisions, just like Justin Fields has, just like any other quarterback. Look at Patrick Mahomes when he played the Jets earlier this year. Patrick Mahomes looked looked like a bottom feeder quarterback against the Jets. It happens. You have a right? bad People game. Get the bad games are allowed to happen, yeah. Corey. Yeah. And I, and I, th- I think that the, the point about Justin Fields is, right, we've seen so much up and down. Yeah. And I do think there's a couple games that you're like, okay, he needed to play a little bit better. But then other times you look at it and you're like, with this scheme, with the, with the pressure in his face, what the hell was he supposed to do? In that Green Bay game, 
please tell me when people said he played bad, I'm wondering, please, let's break it down. Let's literally break it down. You know, especially that play JT Sullivan that's been retweeted all the time. He's saying he had DJ Moore on the slant open. Uh, Things are coming fast. He was literally getting his butt kicked the whole game, right? Pressure's in his face. You have an open receiver in Cole Komet. He threw it to him for, I guess it's considered a check down. Hey, at that time, I've seen a handful of plays where where Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have done the same thing. It happens, right? You're not going to make every throw. You're not going to see every read. I think the thing is, you look at the games when Justin Fields has done well, right? He's looking at his second and third option. But what does that take? That takes time. That takes protection. And I think I think with Shane Waldron, if they keep Justin Fields, think about all that chip help, how valuable that is for the edge rushers, right? For for the tackles that are that are picking up those edge rushers. It just buys you a second, right? There's a lot of, you know, zone right, zone left, hard play action that that gives you a second, that buys you for those big shots. And to, taking shots, that was something that Justin Fields did really well at times. And I think him and DJ Moore were on the same page. So, hey, I understand it could go either way. But I think if you keep Justin Fields, if you build around this team and you give him a coordinator like Shane Waldron, I think it'll definitely elevate his game. But at the same time, you know, polls might be saying, if I miss on Caleb Williams, you know, and he becomes the next big thing, hey, that's on me at that point. So I guess the debate comes for polls. Do you feel strongly about enough about Justin Fields over Caleb Williams and me. I listened to Keyshawn Johnson. He was on a podcast with cap. Yep. I was I don't know if you saw that as well. Listen to every minute. And, and I, I've, I've always been on the same thing. When you talk about college players, you cannot compare them to, to guys that are playing in the league right now. It's not the same. They are playing against guys that are not going to be playing on Sundays. Joey, do you know how many offensive tackles I played against that weren't going on Sundays or guards or running backs or quarterbacks? Countless. Like I would say, I would say more than 75% of the people. Well, and real quick, Corey, we love to, we love to conveniently throw out there too. Like, you know, why can't we find the next Brock Purdy? You know what I mean? And why does this guy hit? And why does this guy didn't hit? Cause it's an inexact science. It's really hard to gauge how these guys jump from college level to the NFL. And, and the big thing, I think, for any quarterback, any player in the league, but I think especially like a quarterback position, that you go into the right system. And we look at some of the all-time greats, right? We look at Tom Brady. We look at, um, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Look at Tom Brady when he first got in the league, right? That scheme was set in place for Drew Bledsoe that had a cannon of an arm. Drew Bledsoe probably had one of the best arms in the history of the NFL. He's 6'6", big dude. You know, pocket passer that can sling that thing. And then comes in Tom Brady after Drew Bledsoe got hurt. And Tom Brady's first couple of years was a glorified game manager. Like, they didn't trust no him. disrespect to him. Didn't trust they didn't him trust him at all, at all. right? What did yeah. they do? They played great defense, and he didn't turn the ball over. And then all of a sudden, once he got confidence, they, they opened up that game plan, right? They extended it. And then you saw a different Tom Brady. But people forget about that, right? Tom Brady wouldn't be who he was, who he is and who he was in this league if he didn't get drafted to the Patriots. I'm I'm sure of that because yeah. that was the perfect scheme for him. Just like Patrick Mahomes, people say, well, you know, if he came to the Bears, he would be balling out. No, he would not. I think he'd be a solid quarterback, but I don't think he'd be the generational quarterback that we see now. It was the perfect scheme for him. He sat behind Alex Smith, right? He learned a year in that scheme with Andy Reid. And then all of a sudden, that first year, he had 50 touchdowns. Lit it up, 
yep. because he was in the right system. They highlight strengths and they they let him play football. And that's what good coaches do. And that's what Justin Fields hasn't had as an offensive coordinator. So that's why um, I'm hesitant to say, no, he's not the guy. Because I think he is. I think I think you just haven't had the right system for him. And there's majority of quarterbacks in this league, Joey, I would say 85% of them, they need they need a good system to be mm-hmm. successful, right? The 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 maybe even less than that. You, and, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that like it doesn't matter who calls his plays, Tom Brady towards the end of him. And we even saw with Josh Allen, right? Who's an MVP type candidate, pro bowler every year, arguably the top five quarterback, right? We can all he struggled this year. Why? His mm-hmm. play caller, Ken Dorsey. They struggled to get on the same page. And then all of a sudden, once they fired him, they started going towards the end of the season. Right. right? The common denominator sometimes is this coordinator, but everybody wants to put the blame on the quarterback all the time. Well, there's another common denominator too. So let's just let's just do it. Let's do this. Is our second biggest off. Uh, we're not ranking these. Yeah. Number yeah. two offseason storylines is Justin versus Caleb. Um, so look, I, I am of the mindset of two things. One, um, it is late January right now. Um, there's a long way to go people. All right. So forgive us if we want to kind of talk through this a little bit without shoving one opinion out or one or the other, I'm sure we'll hear about it either way. Um, where I'm landing right now, Corey, is that I just personally feel like I, I like Justin Fields. I think he can improve. I think there's room for improvement. And I just think that the healthiest thing for the franchise is to keep Justin Fields and trade the number one pick for a bunch of other pieces on top of free agency and bring in anywhere between five to 10 new players on both offense and defense and roll it out. I want to build a roster. I want to build a team. The other common denominator before we get to Caleb, um, Corey, is that I'm coming around to something right now. and I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about it, but when you go around the NFL, what, what are we talking about here? When we talk about Josh Allen, who's right behind him, Stephon Diggs. When we talk about the ascendance of Tua Tungaviola, who is with him, Tyreek Hill, um, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. Go down the list, Dak Prescott, Prescott CeeDee Lamb. I'm going to remove Patrick Mahomes from this list because guess what? He's Patrick Mahomes, and I'm allowed to do that. But <laughs> what's the common denominator there? Our superstar blue-chip wide receivers attached to a quarterback that gives him the confidence, and then, of course, the system that you're talking about right now. So, Corey... I feel like that we're doing a lot of Justin versus Caleb. Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best player in this draft. And every single year we do take the best player off the board. Who's the best player on the board? You just take him. Um, Marvin Harrison's the best player. And I don't think we're having enough a debate of Marvin Harrison versus Caleb and keeping Justin. Um, Where where are you landing on that right now? I don't know if I would take him number one. I would maybe try to trade to two or three. And still yeah, get some draft get capital some and double dip. But I mean, yeah, think about what that could do to this offense. Oh, yeah. if Marvin Harrison is there. It, exactly. It, it it would set this team up um, because you, you look at last year and what were they really missing? A number two receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Cole commit, Cole commit uh, fit his role, right? He's going to be that security blanket. He's going to be that red zone option, but he's never going to be a burner. That's not what he is. Three, he's four very option. Sim- yes. Yeah, exactly. He's very- a, a luxury. Yeah. He's very similar to Kyle Rudolph in his prime. I, I think that's what he is. Great blocker, yep. uh, great great hands, great utility guy, great in the red zone. That's where he's going to make his mark. But Darnell Mooney, non-existent. Tyler Scott dropped the ball a bunch of times. So when you look at the Bears team, they need a number two receiver, right? And you arguably have a chance to get one of the one of the better receivers that have come out in the past 10 years um, from his pedigree. 
unbelievable what he can do. And I think he'll make an immediate impact, especially with DJ Moore there. Talk about the perfect situation. Okay, double DJ Moore. Okay, Marvin Harrison's going to eat. Double Marvin Harrison. Okay, DJ Moore is going to eat. Pick your poison. Then you got Cole Komet. You got that talented running game. And then maybe you add another weapon as well. So and Corey, there are quickly, a lot of options there. Isn't he the perfect X receiver for Shane Waldron's perfect. offense? Yeah. And that's oh, where the DK is. Metcalf thing comes into play? Okay. It, exactly. So I think it would be a great fit in there. Um, I would just like to see it. But at the same time, on the other side of the debate, a lot of people are big on Caleb Williams because it resets the rookie contract, and that's the whole big thing. But let's just say like this. Justin Fields is your guy. You extend that fifth-year option. You essentially have him for the next two years for $31.5 a million. Daniel Jones is getting $40 million. No disrespect to a him. A year. A but, year. But see, but see how that works. I know he got injured this year, but he was not playing well at all after, after, after a pretty decent year the year before. So having Justin Fields for two years for $31.5 million seems like a bargain in this day and age. Uh, even for right now, you look at his stats – I guess you could say middle of the pack. But I think once he's elevated with a game plan, weapons, that's why I think Shane Waldron is the best thing. Because what would we say? Justin Fields is a great playmaker. It's, it's, he has a cannon of an arm. It's about consistency in the passing game. What better, right? If Greg Roman was there, I, I don't think it would help his passing game the way it needs to. I think Shane Waldron will incorporate some of these RPOs, zone reads within what Justin Fields and elevate his passing game. I think this is just what the doctor ordered if it's Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, because I think this is a great scheme and it's great for a quarterback. It, it protects them. It allows them to play at a high level and it creates matchups. And the Bears already have a great running game. So I think they'll continue to lean on that and then work that hard play action. Um I just love the concepts of the double chips. I think that's an O-line's best friend. Yeah, and look, uh, look, here's the thing on the rookie contract is that on its face, when you say it in the fundamentals of the math, it does make sense. You get to restart the clock. Um, we can go back and forth all we want, the history of quarterbacks that actually win Super Bowls on the rookie contract. We can go that, back, back and forth on that. But, Corey, man, you played in the league, and you understand how the mechanics of this works. And my, my thing is, first of all, uh, the rookie bump that you get, um, you actually don't get it because you're just replacing the rookie money with Justin's money. So we don't yep. get to capitalize that, uh, that until at least year three. That's the first mm -hmm. one. And by year three, uh, DJ Moore's off the books. You're going to have to re-sign him. Uh, Montez Sweat's coming at the end of his deal. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, cap space is usually reserved for people that you want to re-sign, like a Jalen Johnson, who you think is an ascending superstar player. I personally don't see a lot of those guys on our roster at this particular time. And my only thing is that what you can do with the draft capital, let's live in a world here where we trade back. Let's just say we end up with Marvin Harrison and take your pick at your favorite uh, defensive lineman uh, at nine. Maybe it's Newton. Maybe it's Verse. Maybe it's Turner. Mm -hmm. Yep. If those guys are worth their salt, a number one wide receiver costs $25 million a year and a, and a top D lineman costs anywhere between 20 to $25 million a year. That's $50 million on your cap right there that you aren't paying that is now being negated if you were to give Justin Fields that $40 million. So I'm just yep. – I'm looking for more players here. I, I, I don't know if – I think there's a way to thread the needle between the quantity and the quality here 
um, because with Caleb Williams, I mean, I get it, but then you're going to have to go out there and, and pay big money. Do you want to give for all the people that love Caleb Williams out there? Walk me through it. So what do you want? Are you giving big money to Marquise Hollywood Brown? Are you then paying Antoine Whitfield, Xavier McKinney, big bucks to play in the secondary? Like, what does this look like? Who is the big, huge, amazing offensive lineman that we're signing in the offseason that I don't really see here on a list that I have in front of me? You know, who is that person right now? Walk me through the money that you're going to spend. And who is it going to be? Is it on a 28-year-old safety who's maybe on the back end of his prime? That's the part that I kind of push back on a little bit when we talk about, well, you have to reset the rookie clock. You just have to do it. You, you have to do exactly. it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I just don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I think it's just at this point, I think you have to do what's best to get your team to win sooner rather than later. And we've been rebuilding this team for, what, three years now. And we finally got them to a point where towards the end of the season, they were playing pretty lights out defensively. They were playing lights out offensively. They were, they were playing pretty dang good, right? They're putting points on the board. They were sustaining drives. They're running the football. Well, fields look very good at times. And that was without two impact players on the defensive line, which is something I think they need to address, especially with some of those picks um, in the NFL draft. I think, you know, a guy like Johnny Newton could be an absolute stud in there. Um, so I think there are three positions away from Joey being being a team that could win 11 games next year. And, and people say, well, are you serious? They should have won 10 games this year at least with a chance to win 11 at Green Bay. That's the reality of it. You have to finish games and you have to – but those games by better teams and, and teams that are more established, like which I think a year later, next year, I think they win those type of games. I, th- I think they've been through the ups and downs of it. And in this league, I really do believe that defense does win championships. Obviously, you have to have a great offense that puts up points, but defense wins championships. We I talk about this all the time. Tom Brady Baltimore. killers. Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. The New York Giants, 07 and 11, right? Baltimore what they did. right now. Yeah, yeah. seriously. So the defense wins championships. Obviously, you gotta put you gotta put points on the board, right? You have yeah. to offense that that can that can compete, that can put up points. But I think the defense and the trenches. That's key. That's how you win games. You you look at all these games that have been happening. That's why Green Bay was able to make such a run because their defensive line, they destroyed Dallas up front. That's why they were able to beat them. And it comes down to that. It's like the battle of the trenches that usually determines and obviously not turning the football over, right? The turnover battle. But I think the trenches is usually who wins the game majority of the time or not. Corey, let's go on to the other side here. Um, I want to ask you about Caleb Williams. Now, again, as we're taping this, it's late January. There's a long way to go. I know I'm trying to watch as much tape as I can. I know that obviously I can watch more. And look, I'm just somebody who's just trying to, you know, I'm more of just a uh, a passionate, passionate fan trying to learn as much as I possibly can. So, Corey, um, I do want you to talk a little bit about um, what you have liked from Caleb Williams tape thus far and maybe phrase it in the question of, over the last 10 years, outside of Andrew Luck, where does he rank with quarterbacks that you've seen coming out of college that, that, you, that, you've, that you've held a high esteem for? You know, would you put him ahead of the potential that you thought Trevor Lawrence could have coming out of college, Joe Burrow? Where would you kind of maybe put Caleb Williams on a list of just guys strictly coming out of college and how you felt about them at the time? I, I think I think he has a lot of natural talent, right? I think there's a lot of guys in this league that do. Um, 
people have talked that, you know, he's been the the biggest prospect, like you said, since Andrew Luck. I thought he had a better two years ago, not this past year, the, the year before. I, I thought I thought he played very well. And obviously you win the Heisman, right? You you come back with a certain level of confidence and esteem. Jordan and Addison, too, was helpful. It, it, exactly. Jordan Addison wasn't yeah. there. Um, I, I think at times this year, he has throws where you're like, wow, this is unbelievable. And I, I just think, like, it's so hard for me to hold any college quarterback to the same esteem or even in the same conversation as somebody that's been out there playing games. That, that's why it's hard for me. Because like I said, majority of those people aren't playing on Sunday. Now, I think he has a cannon of an arm. He has mobility. He has a very quick release. So that's something that people are, are saying is over Justin Fields, right? That release. That's that's the key thing. But when you look at Justin Fields' stats in college, I mean, you know, we could we could compare numbers all day, right? They're yeah, pretty similar. 41 and 3, I think, was junior yeah, year, I think. It, yeah, I mean, um, unbelievable is that. And he was a pocket passer back then. Joe, he very rarely ran at all. And he had a great offensive line at, at Ohio State. He had weapons over there. Um and I, I just think when he's in the in the right system, oh, he could be lights out. But Caleb Williams, I understand the appeal of him. Cannon of an arm, quick release. Um, he can make every throw. At the same time, I think Justin Fields can. And I think he's, he's shown that. It's not consistency. And I think with any quarterback, that's what you're going to have to battle. Um, but it it is, like for me, I think it's a no-brainer. If, if I were the Bears, I'm going to keep – Justin Fields, uh, because I think he gets them closer to winning sooner. Yeah. Like going for that playoff and Super Bowl push, then Caleb Williams. It's going to take some time. And I think that the Bears are saying, well, our Bears fans and, and, and critics are saying, well, he's had three years. You know, we really haven't seen the consistent progress from him. And yes, it's been it's been a roller coaster. I mean, there's nothing else we could say at this point. But anybody that says a coordinator is not responsible for some of that inconsistency obviously hasn't been watching the Bears games, Joey, because I think it's it's very clear as day, like, that Luke Getze, it didn't matter, because we look at Bajan, right? People were so excited about him. I know it was his first year. But look at the, the Raiders game. When he had a good plan for him, run right, run left, let's get the ball out quick, compared to the Minnesota game at the end when he came in, and then the uh, Chargers game, the LA Chargers game, literally left him out to dry over there, putting too much pressure on him. And I think the mark of a great play caller would be like, okay, let me step back. Okay, let me get the ball out quick. Let's run the ball. Let's work this play action. Let's take the pressure, pressure off the kid and then do that. So I just think whatever quarterback was in there, you could have put Josh Allen in there. He wouldn't have done well. Yeah, I, I, it drives me nuts because it's so convenient now to point at, the wins and losses and how many, how deep Justin is into his career. Um, because if you were going to just say that Justin Fields is a bust, then you're also saying that Matt Nagy wasn't the problem. Um, yeah, when he went two exactly. and eight the first year, you're also going to say that signing Dante Pettis, EQ St. Brown um, as your main receivers in the off season and Byron Pringle was a good idea that the Chicago bears actually tried to win football games last year that they said, you know what? You know what? We're going to put a fifth round tackle, Braxton Jones, there. And, you know, because we think we're going to win football games that way. No, they wanted to have him get better and turn into the player that he is now. Last year was a growing year. They they didn't say it, but they tried to lose games on purpose. All right. So if you're going to tie all that to Justin, uh, knock yourself out. When it comes to Caleb, Corey, if they draft 
Caleb Williams. I don't care if he's Jesus Christ or Andrew Luck. Doesn't he deserve the same 20 to 25 starts that every rookie quarterback oh, gets? Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah, like, you can't you can't expect on. him to be lights out day one. Right. So we're, And, and we I think a, that's what everybody... So we take a step back next year. In yeah. theory. In theory. So, like, let's be real. I know that we're excited about Caleb Williams, but we also have to also accept the fact that there are going to be some bumps in a rookie season. That's just... Oh, yeah. How it goes. And if and if and if the Bears pick Caleb Williams, I will fully support that decision. I'll root for the kid. I want whoever is in there to do well. People always think, oh, I just want Justin Fields and that's it. No, I, I think that he brings them closer to winning sooner. And and there's nothing Caleb Williams could turn out to be the one of the best quarterbacks ever to play. That could be, right? Anybody could at this point. It's it's a crapshoot when you draft. That's my only thing, is it, a crapshoot, right? There's some guys that have worked out really well. Other guys that haven't, right? Caleb Williams could, or he could not. That's it, it's like rolling dice, just like just like with Justin Fields. Um, you know, you could say, well, he could flop next year. I highly doubt that would happen, just because we've seen growth, we've seen improvement from him with a limited scheme. Imagine when, you know, Waldron can unlock his potential, and I think that's the key: unlocking quarterbacks. Mike McDaniel did that with Tua, and yeah, people have been critical about him. Oh, look in that game. But he's definitely a different quarterback in that scheme. Brock Purdy has been in a great system in there. You can't take anything away from him because you still got to throw the football. But I think there is a there is a correlation between really great coordinators and great quarterbacks. I think they go hand in hand. I've never seen a great quarterback with an awful coordinator. I mean, even, even when you look at like a guy like Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I think he had more say in the offense than probably any other quarterback, him and Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. But I, I just... I think it usually goes hand in hand. Good game plans for what a quarterback does well. And some quarterbacks are more vocal than others about what they want, right? Justin Fields didn't have the same respect that Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers if they were playing in this game. No, nah, Luke Getze, I'm going to run this because I want this. That's it, right? Justin Fields is three three years in the game. Like, uh, okay, coach says that. I got to run it at that point. So I, I think I think it's a tough situation. Um Either way, I am hoping that the Bears have a successful season, um, whatever decision they want to make, um, you know, because ultimately this this decision is going to really impact Paul's career, right? It could either ascend him or descend him. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what actually unfolds and how, how this offseason how the draft leading up to it and what ultimately is the decision at quarterback. Cause I think that's the biggest question mark right now in, in Chicago bears off season football yeah. is how are, what are we going to do with the quarterback position and how are we going to build this roster around whatever quarterback is in there? And the fun part about it is look like for the people that are pissed off about this or pissed off at whatever we're saying, I think this could be a win-win for the Chicago bears. I think there's paths to success both ways. And I'm just having a fun oh, yeah. time analyzing and breaking down, you know, just what I personally feel like might be the best. And you think what is the best path? Um, you're, you're totally right on the best path for for short-term success in the next three years of the Chicago Bears winning football games. I'm 100% with you on that. And when you talk about rolling the dice, um, I think Marvin Harrison is pocket kings. So whatever game you want to say about that, that's just kind of my opinion there. Um, let's move on. We got a couple more uh, big offseason storylines for the Chicago Bears mm -hmm. here. I think this is kind of a quick one. So number three, um, Jalen Johnson. Um, Corey, where do you land on that one? I'm landing on he probably gets a long-term deal with the Chicago Bears. What do you say? I'm I'm a little nervous about this because 
Well, I, I think I think the Bears could franchise him, right, to, to keep him here. Yeah. But I think he is a little upset that they didn't negotiate with him during the season. Um, and I feel like he's like, I outplayed at that point when I wanted to do contract talks. So make you talk pay to me, now? So I'm going to make you pay higher. Mm. So I, I think he's going to get exactly what he wants. Um, I think that's just key. Like, I think he's going to be like, I want this number. And if you don't give it to me, I'm out of here. Franchise him, and then he'll threaten to sit out. But I'm just hoping they give him the number. I mean, he is a true shutdown corner. It's a different ball game when he's in there. Uh, the the game he missed Green Bay. It was a big impact. Yep. Yeah, big impact. And I think part of it he was sitting out because contract year. Who wants to get hurt in a game that doesn't matter? To be honest, I'm being completely honest, and yeah. and I'm not saying he's not a tough guy. He's not this. But he almost treated that like a bowl game. I would imagine if that was for the playoffs, he would have been in there. Joey, come on. Yep. So I think it was a game that didn't matter in the scheme of the Bears going to the playoffs or not. He's like, I had a great season. I'm not going to get injured in this in this last game and potentially cut my money down. So I think that was a smart decision for him to to, to sit that game out if he was not completely healthy. Um, I think is, that's a good situation. Is the number that he going to ask for? Uh, does it have a two in front of it? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I think it I think it has to have a two. Um, and, and who knows, maybe the bears can front load the deal and you have that number. So it makes him happy, but you front load that deal. You put the guarantee portion in those first two years Mm -hmm. and he's in the prime of his career. Annual thing. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then you have an option at that point for whatever you want to do. And if he continues to play lights out, you know, after, you know, year one, year two, and then going into year three, uh, it's it's a no brainer. So um, I think they got to keep them. And I think it's hard to find really talented cornerbacks. You know, you look at a guy like him, sauce Gardner, uh, Revis Island, when he played, they, they completely took out opposing uh, wide receivers and Jalen Johnson. Like, I think if he played for another franchise, if he played for one of these teams right now, San Francisco, you know, Detroit, one of the, he would get a lot more attention, but the Bears have been so up and down that I feel like he doesn't get the attention and credit he deserves. So Bear, Bears got to find a way to get him. Yeah, uh, let's rip through these last two here. One, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about as the season goes along, but the, um, the number four um, offseason storyline for the Chicago Bears is what do they do with that number nine pick? Um, Corey, I'm just going to read off a couple names to you. Uh, you've talked a little bit about uh, uh, Johnny Jerzon Newton uh, from Illinois, Dallas Turner, Jared Verse, Roma Dunze. Uh, Jared Verse, obviously defensive end, Dallas Turner, defensive end, Roma Dunze, wide receiver, Malik Neighbors, who I love, uh, wide receiver. I don't know if he'll be there at nine. Um, Oli Fashanu uh, from Penn State. Yep, from got, Penn nice, State. got it. Uh, um, um, and then Joe Alt also, too, as well, another left tackle. Yep. Um, just sitting here today, Corey, you know, where where are you kind of leaning right now? Of course, it probably depends on what we do at quarterback right now, but – do you like let's just stay maybe on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Do you like some of those guys enough to really put yeah. them into serious consideration at nine? So I would say Jared verse and Newton be, Newton being first, because I think the three technique is, is arguably one of the most valuable positions defensively in that Tampa two scheme and that attacking style. So I'd love to see Newton. I think he's an absolute monster. He gets off the football. He's explosive in the run game, in the pass, his hands, uh, one one of the better he he reminds me he reminds me a lot of a Kalijah Cansey 
right? But mm. I think he's a little bit. I think he's a little bit thicker than Kalaja Kansi. Corey, um, that's your and, corner. And that's Corey's corner, right there. Exactly because of the quickness that he has, and, and that's how I look at his hands and quickness. And I think Kalaja Kansi does that. And people, people were saying, "Oh, you had you know him over um, Jalen Carter." I do. I think. Elijah Kansi started the season off injured, right? He was injured the first couple yeah, weeks, flip him. failed failed to get in there, really didn't have a full uh, training camp. But the way he finished the season was unbelievable. Like his quickness, his get off, his explosiveness. I think Johnny Newton has all that. And I think he's the piece that would be missing. But at the same time, if you address the defensive tackle, like if we were able to get a Chris Jones in, in the off season, now, you know, we could open up the possibilities to a guy like Jared First who probably would have been a top 15 pick if he came out last year. That's why I'm even surprised he went back to college. Because when you look at maximizing your potential, and when you're predicted as a first round, there's no doubt in my mind, he would have been a first rounder last year. Mm -hmm. um, he should have left. Knock on wood, he was fine. He didn't get injured. But at that point, you have to leave when you're in a first round. Now, if you're you fourth, if you're projected as a fifth, maybe even third, you could potentially come back in a year. But a guaranteed first round pick, there's no reason he should have went back. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing him as well. Great get off, great hands. I definitely think they need to address both of those defensive line positions. So we'll see. I would I would guess that they'd probably address the defensive end position of free agency. And that that's another topic we're going to get to, especially if you're looking at defensive ends. Daniel Hunter, really love him. Brian uh, Burns. Chris Brian Jones. Burns as well. Yep. All, could, all could be franchised, so everyone just be very Let's fair keep going easy. that Carolina route, right? DJ Moore worked out real well. Let's get Brian Burns as well. But Steve I, Smith I around? Think, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? He's, he's, over, he's over there talking with, uh, what's his name, from uh, from Denver, going back and forth. Jerry Judy. Oh, that's, chirp, chirp. that's right. Yeah. That's so, right. But I, I, would, I would love to have, you know, like Daniel Hunter, maybe even maybe an explore an option with Chase Young, maybe. See that Chase Young and him. also uh, Justin Matabuke, uh, the the D tackle right now for uh, for the Cincy, right? Yeah, no, the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens, guy, sorry, the guy yeah, the Ravens. Who's honestly he could be playing himself into a very very lucrative contract. Um, who knows what the Baltimore Ravens do? Let's hit free agency right now because um, we do want to. I want to get your picks on the final four mm -hmm. for this upcoming yeah. weekend of games. So look, Corey, man, I, I just been kind of canvassing a little bit. Um, forgive me, I didn't hit every single position here. I just try to find maybe some positions in need. Um, and look, for all the people that want to talk about Caleb Williams' rookie contract, this is what you're spending your money on. <laughs> so let's dive right into it. We talked a little bit about Chris Jones, uh, Brian Burns, Daniel Hunter, all those guys could be franchise tagged. You'd like to think maybe one of them makes it to the street. I know Brian Burns is not happy in Carolina specifically. Yeah. Daniel Hunter did not get paid. Chris Jones held out for a second. All these are contentious situations. I do hope the Chicago Bears would pounce on that if it happened. From the wide receiver standpoint, uh, T. Higgins, I think he probably gets the franchise tag, but he is a, he is up for new money. Uh, Michael Pittman's out there. Mike Evans will be unrestricted. Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Calvin Ridley strangely probably will hit the street because if he signs an extension with the Jaguars, they have to actually give draft capital up to the Atlanta Falcons, which was part of the deal really? being released, which is interesting. Um, so that's the wide receiver side of things. Running back, it's actually an interesting class, man. Uh, headlined by Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry. Um, if you're looking to replace um, Eddie Jackson, you've got Antoine Whitfield, um, Xavier McKinney. I was trying to find guys that were more of roamers, not guys that are necessarily in the box type of guys, because that's what Jaquan Brisker plays. 
Um, if you're looking at center, um, you got Connor Williams from the Jets. Austin Eckler for re, uh, running back also yeah. probably going to be on the street. Hunter Henry. Um, so, I mean, I threw a lot out there to you. There's a lot to pour into it. Tyron Smith, tackle if you want to improve there. You know, where do you think just free agency dollars, where do you think it would be smart for the Chicago Bears to try and attack in the offseason? Um, so, yeah, go for it. So so I think, I think the defensive line stands out to me, right? If you can get either a Chris Jones or a Daniel Hunter type of player, right, get one of those guys – then that makes the draft that much easier. Then you have a clear-cut decision. Oh, yeah, Jared Verse available at nine or Johnny Newton at nine as well. So depending on what they can do, for me, I think that's the next step into building a more dominant defense that was already playing pretty lights out. Imagine with consistent pressure because, yeah, sweat really elevated the game. So imagine what you can do with another stud, stud opposite him and a stud next to him at that point. It's like double whoever you want these other two are going to eat at that point and then build some more defensive linemen, another, maybe, uh, maybe another end in the draft as well. Um, Cause I do feel good about Jervon Dexter and the key thing with him, he has to work on his get off Joey. That's something that I think he's the slowest guy off the ball and he's still productive, which is <laughs> unbelievable. It goes against imagine, everything that you ever talk. Imagine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if he, if he can work on that this off season, I think, I think that would be an awesome option. Uh, to have just waves of defensive line. Because when I think of some of the top teams, you look at how Philly performed last year. They didn't do as well because they didn't have the waves of guys. They they lost Hargrave. Uh, Brandon Graham's production was down. Josh Sweat was down. But you look at this year, San Francisco, they are playing on a different level defensively, right? They have Bosa, Chase Young, uh, Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, all these guys, waves of guys that can get you. Um even like Detroit, Detroit has been struggling to generate pressure. They're playing a lot better in, in these playoffs. Aiden Hutchinson is playing absolutely lights out. He's really carrying this team. They're bringing some some zone blitzes. But you look at Baltimore, what they've been able to do defensively and on a defensive line standpoint, that's why I feel like they really have a chance to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs. And if Patrick Mahomes can get past Baltimore, I think they'll win it all because I think they always find a way to win it. I think this is Baltimore's game. I think they should win. But at the same time, if Patrick Mahomes can dethrone him, I think that would be huge and only add to his legacy um, and just how talented he really is. Yeah, I'm not picking against Mahomes anymore, man. I haven't. Yeah. I didn't do it last year, and I won a bunch of money. I'm not doing it, and guess what? If I'm wrong, it's going to be one of the off chances when I am wrong. I mean, look, we have to, especially with the Caleb stuff, guys, please, like, it's getting close. It's getting close to not Michael Jordan territory, but when everyone started comparing other people to Michael Jordan, it was this unfair expectation that never met reality. Um, and so we, we're getting close to the point where you have to stop comparing anyone to this guy, right? And it's just, he's, exactly. just, he's, he's a one and one and everybody else is trying to go out there and beat him on a yearly basis. Um, really quick, I would like to see us improve our running back room this offseason. Um, I liked what Roshan Johnson brought to the table. I'm not sure if he is a lead back at this stage of his career. I think he can be an excellent role player um, that can come in and help out. Um, I did like Khalil Herbert in the first half of the season, but you saw once that ankle, he got zapped just a little 15% of that juice. It just wasn't the same guy out there right now. I do like him. Um, and Deontay Foreman, I don't think he's coming back because, look, they 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 redshirted him so many times this year that I don't understand why he would want to come back. He's our most consistent running back. Too, I know, and, and we would literally put him inactive 
in the beginning of the season and in the middle of season two as well. So we're going to have to find a new guy. Um, we have all these cap dollars. We're talking rookie contracts with, with quarterbacks, all this other kinds of stuff. Mm. Is there, I mean, I think Saquon, you have to go three years with Saquon. I don't know about that one. And I know Derrick Henry is probably destined for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. But does Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler for a one to two year deal, basically almost the money that David Montgomery got from the Detroit Lions, does that do anything for you for the Chicago Bears? Does that interest you at all as some sort of just a, a stopgap, something that gives you a little extra juice back there? I, I would say uh, I like I like the idea of Barkley, but for the right price. Mm-hmm. I think he's so dynamic what he can do and change the game. Uh, and and you're talking about whether we keep Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. Imagine imagine what another wide receiver and Saquon Barkley could do this offense in yep. Shane Waldron's system. It would and Saquon Barkley catches the ball extremely well out of the backfield. He's an all he's an all purpose guy. He can do it all. He's one of the most explosive backs to ever play the game. So if you gave him a, a front loaded deal, you know, where you gave the two first two years guaranteed, you know, the last two, you have an out at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would, I would be okay with that. And and what you're seeing now, he realized that he wasn't going to get paid top dollar. Somebody might throw him an arm and a leg this year, but just the way that the running backs are trending, like look what the bears did with three guys that were essentially on lower deals, right? Foreman was on a $980,000 deal. Mm-hmm. Herbert and um, Roshan Johnson, both on rookie deals at this point. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like at this point you can get running backs for a lot cheaper. Um, yeah. And it's, it's tough too, as well, because I think we, by the end of the year, Roshan Johnson was being tasked as trying to be our best pass blocker um, as a rookie running back. That's a tough sell for me. Um, I, I'm just kind of curious if you are in a position where you do have Caleb Williams or you do still have Justin Fields on his rookie contract. Um, you know, you do have money to maybe spend at a luxury position that you normally wouldn't. Um, so before we get out of here really quick, who do you got? Uh, you, you teased it a little bit there. Uh, Baltimore, yeah. Kansas City. Who do you got? I'm going to I'm going to say Baltimore in this one. I, I know I'll probably be wrong at the end of the day, but I think uh, Lamar's had an MVP season. And I think this this is the step he needs to take to establish himself as one of the top quarterbacks. We already know what he can do in the regular season, but that only goes so far, right? I think the MVP conversation should be carried into the playoffs, un- unless somebody on a losing team is just playing that lights out. But I, I think Lamar needs to establish himself and beat Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship at home. And if they can do that, uh, I think they can win the Super Bowl as well. On the other side... I'm going to have to go with San Francisco playing at home. That defensive line is playing lights out. I just look at how the Bears exploited a lot of Detroit's weaknesses. And I know they, granted, this is weeks later. They made some game plan uh, changes. But I think it's going to be really hard playing against Bosa, playing against Chase Young, that talented uh, front with Kinlaw, Armstead. The list goes on and on. Uh, Brock Purdy and them. They kind of they kind of were sleeping through that Green Bay game. We didn't see the same. It's hard after a bye week. And I think this week they're gonna bounce back and really establish their dominance on on Detroit. And hey, it's been awesome to see Detroit play well and be in the NFC championship. Yeah. So if they won, I'll be happy with that as well. But I think San Francisco is is just too dominant, too consistent. And I think they're gonna find a way to win. Detroit's a great story. 
Don't get me wrong. Um, I do think the two biggest X factors this weekend are Mark Andrews and Debo Samuel. Both of them right now are battling. Mark Andrews is trying to come back from injury. Debo is currently dealing with something right now. Um, if Mark Andrews comes back, I think that's a huge thing because I thought Casey did a pretty good job of stopping the run in the second half of that Buffalo game um, to kind of slow that down. You know, the scoring was going crazy in that game, and then everything kind of dried up, and I think Casey's defense had a big reason to do with that. So if they can stop Baltimore's running game, you know, and you've got Lamar, you know, who, who, who's the guy that's going to make the big play here? I've loved what I've seen from Zay Flowers right now, but can he really blow the top off? Um, and if it turns into a field goal fest, I like, I like Kansas city. I like Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think it's going to be a really close game. I'm going with KC on that one. Other side of the ball. I'm sticking with you. I'm, I'm saying San Francisco too, as well. Um, Debo Samuel out does probably concern me, but I think this is a better matchup for Brock Purdy against Detroit's defense than it has Sanders, been against green. Yeah. And you've got McCaffrey in that game. So obviously the running game versus running game. I think that's a net neutral wash on that one. Um, golf outdoors on the road. Um, look, it'd be a great story. And if Detroit went to the Super Bowl, God, I'd have fun betting against them because all of America will be betting on them. And I will definitely fade that <laughs> so hard. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, th I'm thinking rematch right now. I'm thinking Casey, San Francisco. Okay. From when, nice, when nice. it was three, four years ago, rematch from three. Nice. I like it, man. This playoffs have been awesome. All the games have been very, very, very down to the wire. Some of them with with uh, Green Bay and San Francisco, and it, it's been it's been an exciting football season, Joey. And and really excited to see you know who wins these next games, who wins the Super Bowl. But I'm more excited about this offseason than the Bears because you know last year was a huge year. We talked about that was the most important year. But this is really the critical point, right? Are they going to stick with Justin Fields? Are they going to go to Caleb Williams? I understand both sides of, of the debate or, or both sides of the direction where you're going to go. Um, but ultimately, I, I hope Poles makes the right decision for the future of this franchise because Chicago has the best fans in the world and they deserve to win. And I'm just hoping he puts the roster together that's going to put them in a position to compete for a Super Bowl next year. And I think they can. I, I think they can do that, right? With with the right picks, with the right free agency, uh, free agent acquisitions. I think they can do that. So, looking forward to seeing that. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll hop on these pods and um, you know go back and forth and, and debate until uh, until it's down to the wire. But you know, we'll keep you guys updated on any upcoming news and and put our put our comments or criticism on, on whatever that is at that point. So look at looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, look here. I'm believing bears in the offseason. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and dedicate myself to try and bring on as many different voices. Pro Caleb, anti Justin, pro Justin, anti Caleb, pro Drake May. Who cares? Let's bring him on and just like, let's just talk this out. OK, everybody, we're going to try and get as many different voices on as, as we can, because look, we're Bears fans at the end of the day. We all have our opinions. I respect you for your passion. If you can respect us for our passion, we're going to walk through this hand in hand. And guess what? No matter who the quarterback is next year, we are all going to be Bears fans. Just go easy on each other. We will be safe. Please be good to each other, as I always say. And we're going to get through this, I promise. Today's episode of Believe in Bears was presented by BetOnline.ag. Football action is here. Make sure you head on over and check them out. Thank you so much for listening to wherever uh, this show, wherever you get your podcast, um, whether it's on the Believe Sports Network or whether it's through SiriusXM. Thank you for watching the full video episode here at sports talk chicago comment like question uh comment like question add a question below or subscribe uh, i'm joey christopoulos follow me at joey sports guy follow cory at cory wooten two o's two t's get it right um and all i can say cory is as we leave dude is that i've been doing this with you for three years man 
you rarely have led me astray. Um, <laughs> you, you, you've been right on a ton of stuff. You've seen stuff come on a couple of steps before they happen. And then when it comes to fruition and we're all shaking our heads, what the hell happened? I have to kind of point and say, Corey, man, you said this a while ago. So uh, appreciate your perspectives, man. Um, love doing this show with you. Uh, good to see you, man. Bear down. And until the next one. Yes, sir. Bear down, Joey. Always a good time with you, man. Looking forward to this offseason, baby. Yeah, dude. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.